book of Romans. In the book of Romans. And it is a great privilege for me to be back here again. And uh, I was telling Carter, and uh, I remember the first time I ever met uh, Pastor Mikey. I was uh, in college, and I was very fresh off the boat, like really brand new. <laughs> and I didn't know much, but I remember this was Pastor Mikey. He's the guy that kind of showed me the ropes. He was the kind of guy that reached out to me for the very first time. I also have a friend of mine by the name of Cody. Those two are the guys that kind of really helped him, uh, me out. That was, uh, I'll always, always remember that. And I do appreciate his friendship toward me. And, uh, and I always enjoy coming here and uh, uh, speaking to you guys. The title of the message today is Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And uh, we'll go in the book of uh, Romans. Romans chapter 10. Uh, the text is only one verse. The text is only one verse, but because the text is only one verse, I will, uh, I'll take the liberty to read the verses surrounding it. So we'll take uh, verses uh, from verse 9. So Romans verse 9, we'll start with verse 9. I'll read our text and then we'll pray. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, uh, verses 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, and thou shalt be saved. For with the heart a man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. And this is our text. For whosoever shall call uh, the upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how then shall they call on him on whom they have not uh, believed? And how shall they believe on him who they have not, her, uh, not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? That is it written. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings and of good things. I'll read that text again, verse 13. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And let's pray. The only Father, what a privilege it is here uh, to come at uh, the church and, uh, and fellowship with believers and sing praises to you and open the word and preach. And it is such a great privilege because we do know not in many countries they have the privilege of this. Many countries they have to watch out and how loud they sing. Many countries they can't bring a Bible to church. And many countries church is not even allowed at all. And we are privileged to do all of those freely. And we thank you for that. And I pray today that you would magnify Christ. I pray that Christ should be exalted in the midst of us. I pray if there's one here that is not saved, that you would save them for your glory. And I pray that you would edify believers for your glory. And I pray that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit, that I may preach this in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you touch our heart for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, the gospel, uh, the book of Romans is slightly different than other books. And uh, when Paul is writing, sometimes you cannot quite 
track his thought. That's why sometimes the epistles are slightly different than other books. For example, in the gospel, you know the stories. You know the miracle or parables. You kind of know the story. These ones are, are epistle. That means they're a letter. And sometimes because of that, it's so hard to follow Paul. One of the easiest way to um, read Paul and read his epistle is knowing what Paul is trying to argue. What is Paul trying to say? What is Paul trying to do? What is what his thought here? With that, it will help you a lot to understand the Paul's argument. Paul is writing this epistle to the book, uh, to the believers in Rome. And in Rome there, there were a lot of Gentile believers, and there were a lot of uh, Jewish believers. And Paul has not gone to this church in Rome yet, and he says, I'm going to come there. So he writes a letter, he writes epistle. So we call it the Book of Romans. And what epistle it is. It is so rich in depth that it, one verse it will take us eternity to unravel. That's how rich this is, this book is. So Paul writes down a letter and he sends it to them. Now, if you want to understand this, you kind of have to understand what Paul is trying to argue. Uh, in chapter number one, Paul argues that uh, all Gentiles are lost. Every single Gentile is a lost person. They're naturally born in sin. They were lost. In chapter number three, Paul argues that all Jews are lost. Uh, chapter number two, rather, he argues all Jews are lost. Every single Jew, they're born lost. They're, they're, they're sinners. Now, just to make sure people, they don't get him wrong, in chapter number three, he says every single person is lost. Every single person. That's what it says uh, in chapter number three, verses 23. He says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single person is under a guilty, he's under uh, judgment, he's, he's a lost person, he's naturally cursed, he's under the curse because of Adam. And in chapter number four and so on, he presents how a person can be saved. How a person, were, he says he were justified by grace through faith, like Abraham was. So he tells us that every single person is lost and how to be saved. And so forth in chapter number 5 and to chapter number 8, he tells how a believer can walk, can walk in his new life, uh, the walk of a believer. What are the things that he could help him out? We call that sanctification, how we can grow as a believer in our walk with the Lord. Now, from chapter number 8 all the way to chapter number 12, which the section that we'll be reading in here, Paul focuses on that a Jew, the Jewish nation again, because they would argue, well, Paul, if I, the Jew and the Gentile on the same ground in the eyes of the Lord, and that means uh, God has already given up in the nation of Israel. He says there's no point being a Jew. And uh, it's so crazy. It says right in verse 8 here, he starts out, he says, no, 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 no. God, in chapter 8 rather, he says, no, 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 God is not done with a Jew. It says, the, the season that we're living right now, we call the time of the Gentile. Right now, there's so many Gentiles are being saved in proportion to the Jews. Now it says, later on, God is going to focus his attention again to the, the nation of Israel. And he, he goes on, he explained, they call it the time of Jacob's trouble. The, the tribulation. It says during that time, God is going to bring his attention back to the nation of Israel. So in chapter 10, Paul focuses again on the gospel, and he tells how both Jews and Gentiles can be saved. 
He says right, uh, just a, a verse before our chapter, it says, verse 12, it says this, For there is in the eyes of God, for there is no difference when it comes to salvation. For there is no difference between a Jew and a Greek. He says this, for the same, uh, same Lord is over all, is rich unto all that call upon him. It says that God saves the exact a Jew the exact same way as he saves a Gentile. Now, our text, I will read it again, and I'll point out some few words. It says, verse 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I want you to notice that word, whosoever. This uh, gives us the inclusivity of the gospel. The gospel is not just for uh, this group. The gospel is not just for this group. The gospel is not just for the rich. It's not just for the poor. It's not just for the black. And it's not just for the white. It's for whosoever. Whosoever. Any person. Now, did you know not all the religions in the world can say that? Not all religions in the world can say that. I know some religion. In order to join them, you have to go through a course to join to become that religion. Hence, the Freemason, you have to take classes to join that. Some, you have to have certain uh, education to join that group. And some, you have to take a lot. Some say, oh, well, you can join our religion, but they'll discourage you from joining it because the rules are so heavy that it'll take people forever to just join them. That would be Hinduism or Jews. You can be a Jew, but you have to follow so many laws. And when you finish that class, you have to go see a rabbi. And then they'll accept you into your Judaism. And I know some religion in the East, you cannot join them. You have to be born in that group to join that group, to join that religion. Some religion, there's no way you can join them. Like you have to be born in that sect. You have to be born in that society to be that, but not in Christianity. The Christianity, the invitation of the gospel is for whosoever. For whosoever. The Bible says the spirit and the bride say, come. And whosoever will, let him come. And he that is a thirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Freely. The invitation, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to, to, to join Christianity. You don't have to be poor. Maybe you can say, Moses, you don't understand me. I, I come from an um, Islamic background. God will never accept me. The Bible says, come. Just come. You say, Moses, they will never expect me to accept me in Christianity. I, I don't have education. The Bible says, you come. Jesus will accept any person. Jesus says so much so that he will, any, any, any person that comes to him, he will know otherwise cast out. He says, come just the way you are. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. It accepts every single person, whether rich or poor, whether tall or small, whether black or white, it doesn't matter. The gospel is for whosoever. We call this a universal invitation. It says here, whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Now, I want you to notice that. It goes on. It doesn't just say whosoever. It says whosoever shall call upon. Now, this verse is not teaching what we call today universalism. Universalism says, oh, every single person is going to be saved. It's just a matter of time. Like Ju Judas is going to be saved. Satan is going to be saved. Every single person is going to be saved. Notice this. It doesn't say whosoever shall be saved. It says whosoever shall call. It's the person that calls. 
It's the person that trusts. It's the person that calls upon the name of the Lord. That person shall be saved. It's not saying whosoever shall be saved, that every single person is going to be saved. No, no, it's saying whosoever shall call. It's the people that call on the name of the Lord. It's those people that are going to be saved. You say, Moses, why does the Bible teach that salvation is only on those that call on the Lord? Why is the salvation, like, why does the Bible teach that salvation is only found in Jesus Christ? Because, like, if you preach that in, in our days, aren't you being narrow-minded to say that salvation is only found in Jesus? I mean, I, I think, as some people say, I think it's, uh, it's how sincere you are. I mean, you, if, you're, if you're Islam, or if you're a Hindu, or if you take this religion, it doesn't matter as long as God looks at the heart. As long as you're sincere in what you believe, it doesn't matter what you believe. As long as you're sincere, it's like uh, going to Toronto. You can take this road, and I'll take this road, and I'll take this road. As, as long as we're going to the same destiny. So many people believe that. Did you know that's not true? The Bible is so clear about this. It says that salvation is found in only one person. In only one person. And that person is Jesus. And I know today, if we say this, they will call you so narrow-minded. I mean, talk about being uh, exclusive. There are so many people today, for example, Islam takes a great number. A great number. And uh, you mean to tell me all of them are lost? You take about Buddhism. It's a great number. You say to tell me all of them are lost? God will never let all those people are lost because look, look how sincere they are. I was very clear in this matter. It doesn't matter how sincere a person is. If they are long, as long as they're not believing on Jesus, God will never accept them. Look, if you go in the book of Acts, Paul, I mean, Peter here is very, very sincere and is very strict about this. And God and his word is very strict about this. He says, I'm only going to save those people that come through my son, Jesus Christ. It says this in Acts chapter 4, verses 12. Neither is there any salvation in any other. And it goes this to say this, for there's no there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He says there's only, one, there's only one name that salvation is found, and that name is in Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said this, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. The gospel, the invitation of the gospel, it stretches out to whosoever. It's so wide, but the door to the gospel, there's only one door. And that door is Jesus Christ. The Bible is saying here that whosoever shall call, if that person shall call on the name of the Lord, that person shall be saved. It's that person that call. And I want to be very clear this morning, salvation is only found in one person. And that person is Jesus. I go on. I want you to finish that sentence. It says whosoever... The, that's the, the invitation of the gospel. It reaches out to every single person. Shall call. And that person, that, it, it's an exclusivity of the gospel. Only on Jesus. Shall call on Jesus. And now look at this. On the name of the Lord. The person who calls on the name. I'm going to break that for a second. Look at that name. Now in the Bible, in Hebrew culture, 
The word name speaks of the person. This word here is saying only, this verse is saying only in Jesus. That name, Jesus, is found salvation. Now, when I was a kid, I grew up very, very poor. And we didn't have video games, so I couldn't play video games. What we had to do is go in the park and play in the park. And uh, with my friends, we, we played all kinds of games. And we played the swing and whatnot. But we had so strange games. One of the games that uh, we used to play is this. It's like, uh, you make fun of my family members, and I'll make fun of your family members. <laughs> so so, so, so we'll, we'll go back and forth. And you, you'll say mean to my family member. I was like, ah, that was really good. So we're trying to outdo each other. And I'll, and I'll, say, I'll say something mean or something, not insulting, something mean. Now, it was universally known that we're just joking. You're not supposed to take it serious. Now, did you know a person can make fun of my uh, brother? I can take it. A person can make fun of my uh, cousins, I'll take it. A person can make fun of my uh, uh, dad, I'll take it. But if a person made joke about my mom, I cannot take it. It just hit different. I don't know why. I'll, just, I'll start fighting immediately. Like, you just don't, have you guys heard of your, your mama's joke? Yeah, not me. I, I, <laughs> I'll fight immediately. Now, have you guys, why is that? Because my mom was very precious to me. Now, have you guys ever been to the mall or a grocery store or somewhere, somewhere, and you're standing in the line, and you heard someone take the name of the Lord in vain? And you're like, well, this is a free country, and I'm not going to fight, but you've got to be careful about that name. That name means a lot to me. The name of Jesus is one of the greatest names. Should you be in hell right now, or the demons arise, and you shade that name, the demons will tremble. Why is that? There is power in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus has so much power that when, Jew, when Judas came and he's the band of the soldiers and they were seeking Jesus and Jesus said, whom do you seek? This is what Judas, Jesus said. He says, Jesus, they said Jesus of Nazareth and he said this, I am. That is deity, divine name. You know what happened? They went backward and fell. Why is that? Because in the name of Jesus, there is power. There is power in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says, if you just call on the name of Jesus, you will be saved. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If, if people ever came to me and said, what's your name? And I said, Moses. No one ever fell. Never want to take back steps and fell. Why is this? There's no power in my name, but there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And I like how this songwriter said, here he says, uh, His name above all names shall stand, exalted more and more at God the Father on right hand, where angels and hosts adore. Blessed be the name. Why is that name so precious? Because His name is divine. He is God incarnate. He is God, the, he is God the Son. He says this, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, that person shall be saved. I want you to notice that. It's not only we see with the name, but we see that title, Lord, Lord. Now, that word, that name, that title, that word means a title. Uh, in Swahili, if you, in Swahili is slightly different than English. 
if uh, a lady was here and she was married, and she say uh, she would say this, she would refer Buanayangu. That means my lord. She would she would refer said my lord. They would say Buanayangu. If we were to translate, it would be my lord. If you go to a place, uh, a complex, he says, hey, who's the boss here? They would say in Swahili, they would say nani ni buanapa. So they would say, who's the Lord here? Uh, a business, a CEO, they'll call him Lord. A president will also call him Lord. You know, all of that is consistent. You know, in, in the book of Peter, uh, Peter tells us that uh, Sarah called her husband Lord. Uh, and the parables that Jesus spoke in the vineyard, they call him the Lord of the vineyard. So this is a title. Now a king like Caesar, Caesar was called Lord. And so much so, like in back in the days, Caesars were worshipped as lords. Lord. Now, today, in this era, to say the name of the Lord, to read that sentence doesn't mean a lord, a lot. Doesn't mean much. The name, Jesus, the name of the Lord, Jesus is Lord. We can say that free. But where Paul is writing, to say Jesus is Lord, it costs you a life. It costs your life. There's so much uh, affliction given to the Christian. There's so much, they were so many tormented, and so much so, like the Roman Empire was vast and great. It straight from Great Britain, or it covered all the way down to Africa, northern Africa, Egypt. It stretched all the way to Syria and Persia. And it covered, it was almost all, it covered the whole known world at that time. Now, because of the Roman Empire being that great and vast, the way they could unify the empire, the way they could unite the empire was this. They came up with three things. They had to bring one religion, and that religion was to, you had to come, uh, once in a while, and there would be a fire over there, and there would be an incense over there, and they would come and says, now, and we're, we're the Roman Empire. Well, you can keep your own religion. You can keep all of that. But once in a while, you have to come and declare. You take that pinch and put it on the fire here and say this, Kaiser Curias. That means you have to say, Caesar is the Lord, and you would go. So many people came from far and wide. They would come and take the pinch and say, Kaiser Curias, Caesar is the Lord. Now it came the Christians' turn. Well, the Christians, they knew that was blasphemy. They knew they couldn't say that with a, a conscience, a clean conscience. So instead of saying Kaiser Curias, they'll say Christos Curias. That is to say, uh, Christ is Lord. Christ is Lord. Now, if you said Christ was Lord, that was treason. So many, many, many Christians, and they used to have this thing called the, the, the amphitheater. We would seat about 90,000, and people would be in the stadium, and they'll take a Christian, and they'll say, well, we'll give you one more chance. You have to declare that Caesar is Lord. And the man could not say it because he knew that is to deny Christ is the Lordship of Christ. That is to blaspheme. And the Christian would say no. And says, well, they would have uh, wild animals. And thousands would be in the stadium. And they would be watching it. It would feed them to alive animals. And people would be cheering it. And we're just cheering on, just cheering on. And sometimes, if they were not a uh, wild animal, such as uh, lions and tigers and whatnot, they would have fire there. They would have fire there and say, well, all you have to do, 
All you have to do, we'll let you go free. You can run your business. You can go buy. You can go and sell. But if you should, you just say, Caesar's not Lord. You cannot buy. You cannot sell. You cannot own a business. You can do all that. But here it is. Just, just say, Kaiser Curious. And the Christian will not. And say, well, last chance. Last chance. And that man would look at his wife. He'd look at his kids. And that decision would weigh so heavy. That decision will weigh so heavy. And there, there's the fire. And then there's the lions. He says, all you have to do is take the pinch and say, Kaiser Curious. And the Christian would say, Christos Curious. Jesus is Lord. And they say, well, you Christian, you said the light of the world will burn you alive. And they were burned alive. They were burned alive. Just to say this sentence that Jesus is Lord. It cost them their whole, like the life. There was this story that I like of a man by Polycarp. Polycarp was an aged man, 86 at this time. He was the disciple of, uh, he was uh, this John, the apostle, disciple of this man. He was the pastor of Smyrna, modern-day Turkey. And uh, they came to him, and they said, Polycarp, I hear you're a Christian. He says, yes. They took him all the way to Rome, took them to the amphitheater, where thousands were watching. And he says, Polycarp, we, we, we're not looking for trouble. You can go free. All you have to say is Caesar's Lord. Just say Caesar's Lord. Here's the fire. We, we won't burn you. They're the animals. We won't feed you to them. All you have to say is that Jesus is the Lord. And I love this sentence. Polycarp says this. Polycarp says, 80 and six years have I served him. How can I deny and blaspheme against my king and my savior? He refused to say Caesar is Lord. And they burned him to stake. They burned him to stake. That's Polycarp. That's Polycarp. That's a person who says Jesus is Lord. Did you know if that man, that man is in heaven now, they've given him a crown of life by saying Jesus is Lord. And the Bible is very clear. And that title speaks that there's no big, Jesus has no beginning and he has no end. His title, his Lord over all of all the lords. The Bible is very clear in exalting Jesus, saying that he's Lord over all. He says this, I'm Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Thus is the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, as the first, and I'm the last, and beside me there's no God. And who has and who as I shall call, and who shall declare it, and set it in order for me, since I have appointed the ancient people and the things that are to come, and who shall call and who shall come, and let them show unto them, fear ye not, neither be afraid, having know that I told thee from the time, and have not declared it, are ye not even more witnesses? This is the Lord beside me, yea, there is no other God. I know not any. Give ye, O heavens, and I'll speak and hear, O earth, and the words of my mouth. My darkness shall drop as the rain, and my speech shall distill as the dew, and it shall small rain upon the tender herbs, and as the showers upon the grass, because I will publish the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. 
His work is perfect, and for all His ways are judged. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. Who is like unto Thee, O Lord, among the God? And who is like Thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Great is the Lord, and great of power, and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Declare his greatness among the heathen, his marvelous work among all nations. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is also before the uh, to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord, the name of heavens, glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Fear before him and all the earth and the world, and it shall be sta uh, sta stable. That it be not moved, let the heaven be glad, and let the earth rejoice. And let men say among the nation, the Lord reigneth. Let the sea roar, and the fullness thereof, and let the present and the, let the, the, the fields rejoice in all that therein. Then shall the trees be of the wood sing unto the presence of the Lord, because he cometh to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, for every, forever. And say, save us, O Lord, our salvation, and gather us together, and deliver us from the, the heathen, and that we may give thanks to, the holy, to thy holy name, and glory to thy presence. Blessed be the God of Israel forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen, praise the Lord. I will exalt thee, my God, O King, I'll bless thy name forever and ever. Every day I'll bless thee, and I'll praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works, and another shall declare thy mighty acts. I'll speak the glorious honor of the majesty of the wondrous work. And shall men speak of the might and, and terrible acts, and I'll declare thy greatness in all abundantly utter of thy, uh, thy memory of the great goodness, and shall sing of righteousness, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion and slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercy are over all his works. And thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom, and talk of thy power, and make known of thy sons of men his mighty acts, the glorious majesty of the king. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made him uh, himself of no reputation, and took upon him a form of a servant, and was made in likeness of a man, being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself. 
and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, where God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, everything that are in heaven and things that are in earth and the things that are under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Did you know there's only one Lord, and that Lord is Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Well, you don't have to study too far in the Bible to realize that in eschatology at the end time, that the Roman Empire is going to be revived again. The Roman Empire is going to be revived. And uh, just like the Roman Empire covered the whole world, this Roman Empire, the revived Roman Empire, is going to cover the whole world again. Just like the Roman Empire had three ingredients that united that time, their currency, their government, and their religion. Back in the day, Caesar was the religion people were supposed to worship Caesar. And there was one religion, and there was one currency, the Roman money, and there's one world, the Roman world. It's going to be, again, the world, what's called the one world order. So there'll be a man of that new uh, Roman empire by the name of the Antichrist. The Antichrist is going to be seek to be worshipped as Christ, as Lord. There's going to be one currency. And uh, it's going to cover the whole world. So there's one religion, there's one currency, there's one world. You know... In this, just like uh, in the ancient Roman world, if you refuse to worship Caesar as Lord, you were killed. In the new, uh, the time of when the church is raptured and there's great tribulation, if you refuse to worship the Antichrist as Christ as Lord, you're going to be killed. Just like uh, the Christian who refused to say Caesar as Lord, he couldn't buy, he couldn't sell, he couldn't run a business. During the great tribulation, if you receive to if you refuse to receive the mark of the beast, you can't buy, you can't sell, you can't run a business. If you should you be sick and you call 911, they would ask you, hey, have you received the mark, the Antichrist mark, the, the number 666? You say, no, they're not coming. If you go to take a plane, let's say go to Vancouver and BC, they say, uh, uh, we see you have a ticket here. Can we please see the mark? If you don't have the mark, if you don't have the mark on your forehead or on your arm, you, you cannot go anywhere. You cannot go anywhere. And, and, and just like back in the Roman ancient world, if you refused to declare that Caesar was Lord, you were fed to the, to the lions or you, you were burned alive. Any single person, the power is going to be given to the Antichrist, the new ruler of that time. If you, received to re if you refused to receive that, you were killed immediately. Immediately. If you go with me in the book of Revelation, we read this. Revelation chapter 13, we'll read the whole chapter. Now I'm going to give out the, 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 the background a little bit. This is the revived Roman Empire in its greatness. So there's going to be one world, one religion, and one currency. It's going to be seek to unite all of that in one. So just like the Trinity... We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There is what is called the unholy trinity. The unholy trinity. The unholy trinity is made of the dragon, 
the pro uh, the beast and the second beast or the Satan uh, he corresponds to God the Father uh, to the unholy Trinity and we have the man called the Antichrist correspond to Christ and we're gonna have the man called uh, the false prophet corresponding to the Holy Spirit and they're gonna all work together at that time of the tribulation we'll read uh, chapter beginning verse 1 of chapter 13 it says this and I stood this is John writing and I stood upon this and so a beast rise up out of the uh, the sea and having seven horns people the beast is the Antichrist here and the horns are that, that's his uh, his uh, his groups, his people that he has in power, ten horns, is ten horns, and upon the horns there are ten crowns, upon his heads in the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, speaking of his speed, and his feet was the, the, the feet of bear, and his mouth was the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him power. So the dragon, Satan, gave the Antichrist power to sit upon a great throne. And I saw his head were uh, wounded to death, and a deadly wound as healed. And all the world wondered, and they worshipped him. And they worshipped power. Verse, uh, middle verse 4. And the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? And who is able to, ma uh, to make war with him? And there was given unto him mouth to speak great things, and blaspheme, and the power given unto him uh, to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God, and blasphemed his name, and his people, uh, and his tabernacle, and then that dwell in heaven. And, he came, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints and overcome them. And the power given him over all kindreds and tongues and nation. And all that dwell upon the earth and shall worship him. And who, whose name were not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. And he that uh, leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. And he that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. There is, a, uh, there is a, a patience and faith of saints. And verse 11, I beheld another beast upon out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he's, he spake as a dragon. He ex uh, exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and caused the earth and them which are dwelt therein, and worshipped the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doth great wonders as the, he maketh fire to come down from heaven. Uh, on the earth, as it said, as saith, sent of man, and decided them that dwell on the earth by the means of whose miracles, which he the power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, they should make an image to the beast, and which, which had the wo uh, wound by the sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak. And look at this, cause that many would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now I want you guys to hone in in verse 16 to 17 and 18. It says this, And he caused all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive the mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. 
that no man may like now watch this no man may buy or sell save he that had the mark and the name of the beast and the number of his name and he here here is wisdom let him that here hath understanding count the number of the beast for it is the number of men and his number is 603 score and 6 so we have 600 a score is 20 years uh, 20 rather just 20 and then 6 so that would be 666 the bible is saying very clear here that there will be this on the new world that the, the beast and if you don't have that mark you can you cannot buy nor sell you cannot do any business you cannot go fly now you may look at that it's like man, wait a second moses uh, just a few years ago they told me that i can go buy I can go, go to places. I cannot even fly unless I receive something in my arm. Did I receive the mark of the beast? <laughs> now, it's, this is where I want you to calm down. Uh, and this is where I want you to understand eschatology, the end times. The Bible is very clear that when this time comes, the church is not going to be here. The church is not going to be here. Now, if you see me missing, I got raptured, you know you missed the rapture. You see Ed, all the whole church. <laughs> If you see the whole church raptured and you're still here, you, you miss the rapture. And the Bible, Paul says this, our blessed hope, our blessed hope, the bride of Christ is not going to go through this. So you did not receive the mark of the beast. And now people, how you to think this, uh, if I miss the rapture before I got saved, if I miss the rapture and uh, God looks at the heart, right? And uh, I'm going to take the, the mark. I worship the beast, but I won't mean it in my heart. I won't mean it. So God's going to save me anyhow. Did you know that's not true? The Bible is so clear. It says any single person that received that mark within their forehead or on their arm, the Bible says they will be cast in the lake of fire. That thinking is very faulty. It seems, uh, chapter 17, look at uh, chapter 14 rather. Look at chapter 14. And the Bible is trying to be very clear about this. If you receive the mark of the beast, if you worship the Antichrist, you're not going to heaven. You're going to the lake of fire. Verse uh, 9, it says this. And the third angel of Revelation, verse 9, the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in the, in the image and receiveth his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the, shame, uh, the same shall drink of the wrath of God. Without, which is poured out with mi without mixture into a cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire, and a brimstone, and the, uh, the presence of the holy angel, and the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of them, torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest day and night who worship the beast and his image. And worship and receive the mark of the beast. The Bible is saying, if a person receives the mark of the beast, they're going to be cast in the lake of, fa of fire, and their smoke will ascend forever and ever. The things that I'm saying this morning, there's so many people, they don't believe it. Out there, they don't believe it. They don't believe that this, this world is headed to a terrible crisis. They don't believe all of this. It's going to be a huge shock. A huge shock when the rapture takes place. And I know this, there are so many people are going to receive the mark of the beast. So many people. Did you know I said all of that to say this, today is the day of salvation. 
Today is the day of salvation. Should have you been in the first century? It would cost you your life to just say Jesus is Lord. Should you wait during the time of, the time of tribulation? It's going to cost your life to just to say Jesus is Lord. Today it's free. It won't cost you anything. The Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. It says this, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. While God is tugging at your heart, while God is wooing your spirit, while there's, was, there's free time, why don't you receive Christ today? Why don't you say him, Jesus is Lord? And I love back in our text here, and the Bible says, and the Bible says, and whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't have to do anything mystical. Just receive him as your personal savior. Just receive him today while there is time. Why don't you receive him now, today, and say, Lord, I'm a great sinner. And I know you're a great savior. Have mercy upon me. Save my soul. And look at this. Uh, we, we, we read this in verse 9. It says, And that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus, the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, it says this, Thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be saved. I was teaching, I'll, I'll finish with this. I was teaching the youth group once and how to share the gospel. And I said the, I said the gospel is as simple as the ABC. Simple as the ABC, and I use that acronym. It says, A, a person has to acknowledge that they are lost. A, you have to acknowledge if a person believes they are lost and the person doesn't believe they are a sinner, they cannot be saved. So a person has to admit that they are lost. They are under judgment. The Bible says, for all have sinned. All have sinned. So A, a person has to acknowledge they are lost. Two, a C, a B, a person has to believe. God has never saved anyone apart from believing. If you come with your work, he won't accept you. But if you believe, it says here, so I shall believe on the name of the Lord. A person has to believe that Jesus can save them. So in A, a person has to admit. A person has to believe. C, a person has to confess. It says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart, thou shalt be saved. That's how simple salvation is. That's how simple salvation is. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? The only Father, we do thank you so much. Number one, you do have a plan for Israel. You're going to go back and you're going to redeem your people. But we live in the time of the Gentiles. And salvation is offered to us as well. Now, I'm so thankful we're not required to worship another person. Our life is not at stake. We can call on the name of the Lord and it will cost us free. And I pray if there's anyone here today who has never believed in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, today they may say, Lord, I'm a great sinner and I know you're a great Savior and I pray save my soul for your glory. And I pray when that blessed hope that Paul is talking about, if should a tr trumpet should sound even now, that no one would be left behind, that it will all be with you in heaven and what a day that will be and we thank you that you are a lord above all lords in jesus name i pray amen